The market doesn't joke around, so why would you? Get serious. Choose Tasty Trade. Tasty Trade gives you the tools you need to make smarter moves. Dig into data with advanced charting, track profit accurately with order chain trackers, see risk clearly with curve analysis, and trade with low-capped commissions, stocks, options, futures, and more. All on one platform. No wonder serious traders choose Tasty Trade. Join the club, genius. Tasty Trading is a registered broker-dealer and member of FINRA and SIPC. The spirit of performance defines Acura, and now it's electric. Introducing the all-electric ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. While what powers their cars may change, the energy that makes Acura never will. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. With a premium Bang & Olufsen sound system and up to 313-mile range on a single charge and a Type S variant with an estimated 500 horsepower, the ZDX is everything they said electric could never be. It was built with the driver in mind, just like Acura's been doing since the beginning. We could talk all day, but the only way to experience this electric performance is to drive it yourself. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. My mission is simple, to make you money. I'm here to level the playing field for all investors. There's always a bull market somewhere, and I promise to help you find it. Mad Money starts now. Hey, I'm Kramer. Welcome to Mad Money. Welcome to Kramerica. Other people make friends, I'm just trying to make you a little money. My job is not just to entertain you, but to educate, do some teaching. Call me at 1-800-743-CBC or tweet me at Jim Kramer. Look, there might be something that's... Maybe started something good today, right? Stocks were bouncing, NASDAQ, where all the damage has been, seemed to be stabilizing. But then the gloom returned. And it all broke down. With the Dow ultimately losing 107 points, S&P declining 0.23%, and the NASDAQ did 0.909%. Not bad, 0.09%, because of how bad it's been. But a selling respite turned into a buying interregnum, and then just no stopping those who won out. Sell, 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 it sell, just sell. isn't. Can it continue like this? Could things finally start picking up as we move toward the end of September like legendary market historian Larry Williams told us last night? It might just come down to our game plan. See, when we come in on Monday, we'll most likely have some concrete, something, something we can deal with, maybe sink our teeth into about this UAW strike with Ford. Uh, today, Ford made big inroads with the union, while GM and Stellantis have earned its wrath. They're now being targeted for specific walkouts. Makes a ton of sense to me that Ford's got a better relationship than the, the other big automakers with the union because they've actually been hiring union people for years while the competitors have been shedding them. It always seemed absurd that Sean Fain, the UAW president, chose to treat the big three equally, given that Ford's pay differential cuts much more in favor of the unions than the other two. And if Ford can get a deal done on decent terms, meaning no material bump in labor costs beyond the current offer, then this charitable trust stock could start a sustained climb. That could be Monday's business. Tuesday, we have one of the best promises of small business around when we hear from Sintosh. Remember, we had him on recently. What a story. Uniform rental service, a lot of other stuff, too, that they run through that system. The company grows when there's more commerce, and I bet their numbers will be stellar. Sintosh has been able to get new contracts even when business isn't strong, and I've long been a fan of the stock. But let's see if they're finally seeing a slowdown in either new or existing clients. I mean, you know what? They got a million clients, so we ought to know. Close observers of this show, including just last night, 
know that I think the world of what Dave Gitlin's doing in Carrier. He's reinventing the company as the most environmentally sound purveyor of heating, ventilation, air conditioning, or HVAC systems. So much energy is used for climate control. By making this stuff more efficient, he's helping his clients become more environmentally friendly while also reducing their electric bill. Now, Carrier's got this huge deal on the table. Currently, $12 billion, I'm sorry, 12 billion euro acquisition of Wiesman Climate Solutions. That's a merger that could close as soon as the end of the year. It's a phenomenal company with a terrific product that uses much less energy to make heat using a special boiler technology. Let's see what they have to say on Tuesday. I like their attitude. After the close, my favorite retailer, Costco, reports there are so many things we need to hear from Costco. Let's figure them out, right? We've got to get the growth rate, the number of new members, including high-tier executive members, and any expansion overseas. We need to see if Costco's got plans for a special dividend, maybe a boost in membership fees. That always helps, bottom line. How about how many people are switching from branded products to the premium Kirkland store brand? All these will help us get a beat on how things are really going on in this whole country. Because as much as I love Costco, and I love it enough to own it for my travel trust, we need to find out whether this company's seeing any kind of consumption slowdown because the Fed will keep raising rates until cons- the consumer cools. Now, maybe the co- consumer cools by going more to Costco. Next, Paychex reports Wednesday, and it's the payroll processor of choice for small, medium-sized businesses, which have been holding up incredibly well. It's amazing how few layoffs and bankruptcies we've had, while many new businesses are still being formed. Until outfits like Paychex again start saying business is stalled, you must accept the fact that more rate hikes are coming. It doesn't just go away. We don't like one day and Paychex says things are terrible because things are good. Like I keep saying, business is way too strong for the Fed to even think of letting up, let alone cutting rates. Who thinks that? Well, besides all the people in the bond market. Now, is the long drought over in the PC world? Has the inventory of semiconductors been worked off? And now, do we finally have fresh demand coupled with the need for storage related to artificial intelligence? Only one company can tell you all that, and that's Mu. That's right, MU, Micron, memory chip maker. I really like Micron. I really like its CEO, Sanjay Marocha, tells it straight. Incredibly upfront about the oversupply of chips the whole way. I'm going to listen closely to everything he says because so much of tech still depends on the personal computer, a giant DRAM user. That's, what they, that's where they go. Well, they go all over the place, but they're in a lot of different things, but that's what I think. Uh, and there's still some time left before we get to the bottom of the huge inventory bulge, but the stock's been creeping up. We still don't have big demand yet at the PC level. We don't have those new PCs. That, it'll be first quarter 24. They'll be doing sorts of all-star AI stuff with your PC. Uh, but that's far out. Maybe we can anticipate it. Let's see what Sanjay says. Thursday morning, we get to hear from one of the most consistent companies in tech, Accenture. Of course, that's because Accenture is not really a tech company, per se, at least. It's more of a consultant to companies that want to digitize. This remarkable business should have a solid handle on artificial intelligence. Is it overblown or is it truly transformative? How quickly can we make money off it or are we going to lose money off it? Anybody can tell you it's going to be Accenture. These guys rarely miss. And when they do, it stock tends to sell off hard and then it comes right back over time because their underlying business is so strong and people need their help in order to be able to figure out all this tech stuff. CarMax also reports that turns out these guys are much more than I thought. I sit down one. Wow, they know what they're doing. I'm expecting this used car company to put up some great numbers. But there's a financing component here that makes me worried, right? They, the, the interest rates have gone higher. People buy cars on time, so to speak, financing. And the Fed's relentless rate hikes is going to be hurting all these used car dealers. In that sense, CarMax is at the front lines of the Fed's attempt to slow the economy. So far, there's been no meaningful slowdown here in the category, even as prices have come down from their highs. Let's find out if higher rates are finally choking sales or if they continue to be good. 
Probably the most controversial story next week is going to be the quarter from Nike. Now, we need to be concerned about how Chinese sales are holding up because for the first time, we're actually hearing reports that Chinese sneaker companies are making inroads here. I am loath to knock the stock of Nike now that it's down 22% for the year, 40 points from its highs. At the end of the day, this is a darn good company. and Nike stock could be a buy simply because it's so low. For weeks now, Wall Street's had nothing but good things to say about the cruise lines, especially Carnival. I get that. People are long on money and short on time, and the cruise represents a terrific bargain. But believe me, if this market is as gloomy as next Friday, as it was today, well, I got to tell you, you don't want to touch the stock. No way Carnival gets any love unless the backdrop of gloom changes to something a little more bullish. Finally, we get some macro numbers that matter to the Fed, namely the core PCE deflator, both month over month and year over year. This is uh, one of their favorite measures. Uh, I'm I'm laser focused on inflation here because buyers still seem to be reluctant to step up until this tightening cycle's over. And we're now witnessing a classic move toward bonds, given that interest rates have gotten to levels that we haven't seen in 17 years. People want to lock in with a good rate of return. So when you get something like the core PCE deflator, it needs to not just stop going higher. We actually need to see it go lower, or the Fed's not going to be done. Unfortunately, I'm not sure it's there yet. The economy's too strong. But the breathtaking move higher in rates at the long end of the yield curve, you know, 20, 30 years out, may by itself begin to curtail spending, something that's been stubbornly strong because, yes, the job market has been so red hot. Here's the bottom line. I think the averages are getting beaten down to the point where it's a lot easier for us to rally. But until we see some signs that the Fed's truly beaten inflation, it's hard to get too excited about this market, although I am mindful that a market as hated as this one can always throw you. A hanging curve. Arthur in California, please. Arthur. Hey, Jim. How's it going? Thanks for taking my call. Absolutely, Um, Arthur. What's going on? So I was looking into buying a a stock, something steady long term for my for my kids Mm -hmm. who are really young. And I was looking for something that was um, recession proof with great dividends. I had my eye on Pepsi or Coca-Cola. Just wanted to get your take. Uh, which one do you think? Um, uh, what are your thoughts? This is tough. Coca-Cola had some really good numbers. Uh, it's a little bit cheaper than it has been historically. Uh, PepsiCo, Raymond LaGuardia has just taken this Frito-Lay business and put it turbocharged. I'm going to say right now, PepsiCo is the winner of those two. But they're both good companies. But right now, Raymond LaGuardia has got it going. How about we go to my home state? How about we go to Jason in New Jersey? Jason. Booyah, Jim. Booyah, Jason. I'm just a young man from Mays Landing, New Jersey. I watch the show all the time. Thank you Thank for what you, you do. Thanks. I got a bank stock for you. Multi-year low, great PE, great EPS, and a killer dividend. What's your take on TFC? All right. I absolutely agree with all that, but that does not make a, a stock go up in this environment. Unfortunately, all the things you said are true, but I got to find a reason to pull the trigger. And at this very moment... I just don't have one. All right. We got to stay focused on inflation next week because it will tell us when this tightening cycle will end and the gloom will finally lift. I think we're closer than you realize. I'm still back in Larry Williams on Man Money tonight. After reporting a record quarter last month, it's now time to get into Federal Relief, 4.6% yield. I'm hearing more about if the strength could continue from the company's top brass. And natural gas prices have yet to recover from last year's decline, $2.76. So what should you do with a company like EQT, which is the largest? You won't miss my exclusive. And now that we know the Fed plans to keep rates higher for longer, 
What could be the long-term impact be on our nation's best steelmaker, Nucor? I'm talking to the CEO to see if this recent dip could be viable. So stay with Kramer. Don't miss a second of Mad Money. Follow at Jim Kramer on Twitter. Have a question? Tweet Kramer. Hashtag Mad Tweets. Send Jim an email to madmoney at cnbc.com or give us a call at 1-800-743-CNBC. Miss something? Head to madmoney.cnbc.com. Fact. Running a business is not getting easier on your wallet. With higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. Also a fact. Smart businesses are reducing costs and headaches by graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, and HR into one platform and one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required. Accessed from anywhere. You can cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. You improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. See how you'll profit with NetSuite, and then you can think of all the ways you could be spending the money you save. Company retreat in Malibu, anyone? By popular demand, NetSuite is offering a -a one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to NetSuite.com to start saving. When you're hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging to connect with candidates faster. Plus, 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash madmoney. Just go to Indeed.com slash madmoney right now and support this show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash madmoney. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Earlier this month, I told you that if you believe interest rates are going to peak, you might want to start buying the higher quality real estate investment trusts on the way down, although there aren't that many of them. These stocks have been crushed by higher rates, making their dividend yields less attractive. So if Fed only tightens, say, one or two more times, the pain might stop soon. And that's why I recommended Federal Realty, FRT. It's a retail REIT that owns mixed-use properties in wealthy first-ring suburbs. None of these guys have terrific tenants. They've also raised their dividend, get this, for 56 straight years. That is by far the longest active streak in the industry. And remember, these are shopping centers. They're not the malls. Don't take it from me. Let's dig deep with Don Wood. He's the bankable CEO of Federal Realty Investment Trust. We're more. Hey, Mr. Wood, welcome back to Mad Money. Thanks, Jim. Thanks for having okay, me. Okay, now people just have to understand because they've heard dividend cuts. They're worried about uh, people still shopping uh, that's not Amazon. But the fact is, there is a level of shop that is in our routine that we go every day. And in the good neighborhoods, because demographics matter, you can have a company like yours that can raise the dividend every single year because you're doing so well. You know, Jim, when you think about 
pre-COVID, 2016 through 2020, it was kind of like purgatory in our business because the question was, did you need bricks and mortar? Let's get everything delivered in cardboard boxes to our house. And COVID hits. COVID goes through. People get, get quarantined for a bunch of time. Guess what we figured out? People are social. People like being outside. Open air has been, hasn't been as strong as it is today in really a long part of my career. And, uh, and that means your places time. are filled and they're doing incredibly well. Well, you know what it, what it is now? If you sit and, as you just started out, you've got interest rates, which kills real estate values. Right. But if you sit and you look, you look at federal today, 56 years of raising that dividend, you can get 4.5% yield today while the stock price is clearly under the value of these assets longer term. So while you're waiting for whether it's one more rise, no more rise, whatever's going to happen, I can tell you that the dividend is surely pretty darn secure, right? 56 years should tell you that. Collect 4.5% while you wait. What historically has happened, and that is that we trade at or above the net asset value of the company. Okay, so people may say, oh, come on, that's nonsense. But I'm going to say, a group of guys, we got together, uh, and we said, you know what, we got to go buy a, a Bed Bath & Beyond, and we'll open pickleball courts in it, okay? Because those, those are going to be empty forever. It turned out to be you filled them in how many days and for how much more money? For the longest time, Jim, we've known each other a long time. Yes, we have. And for the longest time, I kept telling you, and I believe this thoroughly, that supply exceeded demand. And that was the case because there was development through the 90s, through the 2000s. There has not been new supply of shopping centers now in over 10 years, 12 years, 15 years. Guess what happened? That equilibrium changed. Demand exceeds supply. So the notion that a box goes out, so what? A box goes out. But I'll tell you the more important thing. The boxes, whether it's it's the replacement for bed, bath, whoever it is, they're important because everybody knows about them. They're largely public companies. They bring people to the shopping centers, but you don't make a lot of money with them. You make the money with the small shops. Yes, you make make the money with what you do with the people that have come to shop at the boxes. That's why food is really important. That's why health and beauty is is really important. That's why personal fitness is really important. Open air shopping centers in high quality places. Right, that's and we're going to demographically get to that, Jim, high. It matters where they People are. People have to be making a certain amount of money in the area for this thing to work. Got to make money to spend money and there right. better be barriers to entry. And yeah. barriers to entry means, you know, you can't have a new shopping center popping up every three miles because right. you have no pricing power. But then the people, I mean, it's so amazing. The naysayers say, oh, well, hold on, Santana Row, he's got to, never going to be able to do mixed use. And now they're going to say, I got the next quote. It's going to be like this. So, Don, you have Splunk. They got bought by Cisco. I guess that's going to hurt you. Why is that going to hurt us? <laughs> First of all, it's, a, it, it's an incredible credit that assures payment of that lease through its lease term, which is years away. Then, when we're talking about those years to come, what happens to that space? I'm telling you, you think we're just going to give up on Cisco and what they want to do there? What alternatives are happening out there? I don't know. You can't, you can't tell me it's a problem today if I've got years on that lease of a better credit than I had yesterday. Well, I, I, I do want you to, to talk to me about uh, the I want people to understand that you decided that you're not everywhere. You're not going to be in every part of the country because that's a losing strategy. Yeah, you know, there's been, think about this, and I I think anybody in New York um, or, frankly, in any major city understands this. 
when, when the people who are making good livings downtowns got the opportunity to work from home three days, four days, whatever it is per week, they took their purchasing power that they spent downtown and they brought that out to the suburbs where they yes. live. So now when I think about the family who, who used to be uh, the, the breadwinner going in four, four or five days a week, now is home two days a week, they're still spending. But they've incre- it, 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 what that's created was incremental demand at our places in these first-ring suburbs. Really important. Has to be good jobs in those suburbs. Are there any room in any of the apartments that you built? No. It, no what, no. huh? What, fully, tell people the strategy. The strategy was brilliant, and everyone thought it was dangerous. Look, They're here's, small here's thinkers. the point. If you're, if you're a real estate person and you, you use retail as your, as that's what you do for a living. That's what you're really good at. That's what Federal's good at. You're bringing a lot of people to a piece of land. Now, once you have them there, how do you exploit that even further? And the notion is, in certain places, the ability to build up. You're not going to do retail on the 8th floor or the 10th floor. What are you going to do? You're going to do residential. Occasionally, you'll do office. But the notion is what you'll do is what you're doing is exploiting the the environment that you've created on the ground floor. That has worked really, really well for us in four four or five of our major markets. See, I think it's amazing that people don't understand the difference. I want you to tell them there is a qualitative difference between the mall, which is at one point we were all in love with, and the shopping center, which is what we're in love with now. How did that morph? Look, I... I, The bottom, <clears throat> the bottom line is, is where the real estate is, is the most important thing, right, right. no matter what the format. So there are plenty of enclosed malls in, in great locations that work well today, work well yesterday, will tomorrow. To me, what it's about is the authenticity of your lifestyle. So when you and your family live in a suburb, I want our place to be an extension of your backyard, an extension with of your, your living local room. restaurant, with your supermarket, with your workout place. I want well, you to do it all. I want right. a member of your extended family to be at our property three, four, five times a day for very different uses. Right. That's why larger pieces of land, really well landscaped, really well placed, make demand exceeds supply. Right. So if in any business any of your viewers are watching, you have to first ask is there demand at the top line? Because if nobody wants what you're building, it doesn't matter what interest rates are. Right. doesn't matter any of the other stuff. Do, do you have demand for your product? We haven't seen this level of strength and demand for a very long time. And that's why your stock is just ridiculously cheap, frankly. <clears throat> I sure stock. think so. And I did. There are times <laughs> when I was worried that you raised that dividend. And now I just know that you're the only one in, in this. Well, there's some other guys in that read. I don't want to slam them because you've got some good companies. But there's only one that I know has got the great incredible mosaic. I urge you people to look beholden to not one single company, not one single company. That's how diversified you are. Appreciate that. I love that. <clears throat> record earnings, record revenues, record traffic these days. All Start with. their top line. You ought to be able to provide value to your shareholders. Totally agree. Don Wood, CEO of Federal Realty Investment Trust. That's FRT. Great yield. Remember, raises it every year. The only dividend aristocrat in the entire industry that he's in. Man Money's back here for the break. Coming up, drivers on America's highways can confirm tolls make money. Find out how EQT is using that model to cash in next. Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. It offers flexible spending capacity that adapts to your business. 
You can also earn up to $395 in annual statement credits on eligible purchases at select business merchants. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. While the price of oil soared to 90 bucks a barrel, the price of natural gas never really recovered from its meltdown late last year to the point where it spent the last six months bouncing between two bucks and three bucks, letting it stabilize toward the high in the range around 275. But the price remains pretty darn low by historical standards. And if we get another mild winter, it could stay down here for a while. But if, boy, if we get a bad winter, whoa, could soar. So is it time to rethink the natural gas producers, which you know I happen to like? Let's take a closer look with EQT Corporation, America's number one natural gas exploration and production company. It's focused on the Marcellus Shale, Utica Shale, Pennsylvania. You know, we've been to these places, West Virginia, Southeast, Southeast Ohio is there, too. And we're going to talk to Toby Rice. He's the president of EQT. Get a better sense of what's happening. Mr. Rice, welcome back to Mad Money. Hey, happy to be here, Jim. All right, so Toby, I got to tell you, I mean, not that I'm a Hollywood guy, but before we get really get started on the substance, you, you guys set a drilling record that is so remarkable that I want you to share it with people because I, th- I had to look at it twice. I didn't think it was possible. It's incredible how fast you drill. So just I'm giving you the floor on it. Yeah, Jim, so we set a drilling record uh, for the most amount of horizontal feet drilled in a 48 period uh, of time. We drilled over 18,000 feet. In that period, unfortunately, that record has been broken, and that that is no longer the record, the world record. The world record is established again uh, a couple weeks later. The team broke their own record and drilled even further. Um, what's really remarkable to think about this: the efficiency that we've brought here in at EQT in American Energy. We are holding about six BCF a day of natural gas production flat with only four rigs. Think about that. That's the amount of energy. It's about a million barrels a day. Uh, energy uh, in, in gas form, but being held flat with over with only four rigs. It's a remarkable resource and a remarkable asset that we have here at EQT. All right. So those who think that we're going to be exporting so much that we're going to run short in this country should listen to what you just said, because it's almost preposterous that that could happen. People need to understand that the amount of resource that we have is directly correlated to the price of natural gas. Jim, we've we've done a lot of estimates and said, you know, Exports are an amazing thing. They're the key to lowering emissions uh, from foreign and by replacing foreign coal. It's the key to providing energy security to our allies. It's the key to providing energy security to the United States because exports mean surplus and surplus means security. We said, how big could this be? We've done the work and we believe that we can inc- we have the resources to increase natural gas production in this country to allow us to quadruple our LNG exports and export up to 60 BCF a day of natural gas. That would represent a 50% increase in natural gas production in this country. But to do that, we only require $4 natural gas, which would be a discount to the 20-year price of natural gas, which is around $4.50. We have a tremendous resource in this country. The question is, can we get the pipelines and LNG facilities needed to unleash the biggest green initiative on the planet and the biggest energy security blanket the world has ever seen. Well, we got Mountain Valley Pipeline. That makes me very excited, right? Jim, I get excited for about two seconds, and then I realize we're in a world where it takes an act of Congress to get a pipeline built. I'm very excited about the leadership we've seen in Washington. I'm excited to see that Secretary Granholm has written a letter to the FERC saying that they support Mountain Valley Pipeline. But the reality is this. Getting pipelines built in this country has been almost impossible. 
We've built fewer pipelines in the last year than we have in the previous 30 years. Think about that. Um, it's no question why we say that we're going to be in a very volatile pricing environment because we have very little flexibility in the energy ecosystem to deal with any adverse event. That means when the event hits, and it's not if, it's when, we do not have the flexibility to deal with that event. And that event could be a winter storm. Uh, we see uh, CEOs from utilities writing letters to President Biden that they do not think they can get through a winter if they have an event. It could be a cyber incident. We saw what happened with Colonial Pipeline, almost shut the country down. Uh, it could be another geopolitical event. Guess what? Russia is not the only petro dictator we need to worry about. Um, if we want to give ourselves the flexibility to deal with this and bring real energy security to America, the key is unleashing U.S. LNG on the world stage. That is how we're going to bring the flexibility back to this to this country so we can enjoy uh, our, our lives and move, move about addressing big problems in this country. Well, you're preaching the choir here. Uh, I think there are people out there when I say I like your company very much. They say, well, it's really dirty. Don't forget, it's dirty. Net zero, buyer before 2025. I mean, what do people, do they do any homework? Are they speaking out of ignorance? Yeah, Jim, we've got to change the conversation. Uh, there's a lot of focus on the emissions associated with making our product. And we need to change the conversation to what are the emissions benefits when people use our product? So we're putting our money where our mouth is, and we are going to be net zero uh, by 2025. Why is this important? Just to give you perspective, EQT, our carbon footprint is around 450,000 tons. Now, that's the emissions it takes for us to run our rigs, complete our wells, take care of, take care of the wells. But that carbon footprint will create an amount of product when put on the world stage to replace foreign coal. The emissions reducing benefits is over 150 million tons. So 400,000 tons of cost to generate 150 million tons of benefit. That's where the conversation needs to be focused. So we're going to be net zero by 2025. So the conversation is forced on what are the emissions benefits of using natural gas. But at the same time, because you're very shareholder friendly, people know you're not just spending like mad in a giant infrastructure. You're aware you can make a lot of money for shareholders and still participate in the great export revolution. Absolutely. Um, you know, for us, we realize that our uh, our purpose here in this equation is to get the energy out of the ground as reliably, safely, and uh, cost-effectively as possible. There's a lot of people that are making investments in LNG facilities. Uh, one of the things that we think we can help is letting people know that uh, increasing LNG exports is going to be the biggest uh, environmental benefit that we can offer to the world. Um, it's the only way that the United States can answer a big question what can the United States do to lower emissions outside of our borders? The answer is using our natural gas to replace the biggest source of emissions, which is foreign coal. Jim, the environmental benefit of doing this, just for just for comparison, how big this is, when we unleash US LNG, if we can achieve these levels, it will have the environmental benefit equivalent to electrifying every car in the country, putting oh. solar on every house in America, and also doubling US wind capacity combined. It's a massive opportunity. That's why you see uh, ESG, ESG investors being excited about uh, LNG, because not only is it good for the environment, it's good, from the, it's good for society, and the energy security that this will bring is unparalleled. All right, well, I'm going to keep bringing your story to the public because you have a great one to tell, and you have an unbelievable investment opportunity because your costs are so low versus where I think natural gas is going. That's Toby Rice, president and CEO of EQT. They're the biggest. Thank you, Toby. Great to see you again. <laughs> 
Booyah. All right, Man Bites back here for the break. Coming up, this old Kramer favorite has hit a recent soft patch. But is there a steel foundation below those sagging results? Stay tuned. Now that Wall Street is worried that the Federal Reserve may have to keep interest rates higher for longer as part of its war against inflation, all sorts of economically sensitive stocks have been hammered. That includes stocks of really high-quality companies like Kramer Fave Nucor, which is the world's best steelmaker. It's now down 12.5% from its recent high just three weeks ago. Now, not long ago, Nucor stock was on fire. Recession fears had faded. We knew they'd get a big boost from all the federal infrastructure spending some of the way. Now, though, the Fed-mandated recession fears are back. And while Nucor still has a ton of great infrastructure coming forward soon, if this United Auto Workers strike is definitely uh, hangs on, it could be bad for the steel industry. It also didn't help when Nucor did its standard early pre-announcement last week, and they had to guide a little bit lower than expected for the earnings in the current quarter. That did send the stock down 6% in a single day, somewhat surprising. How worried should we be? Let's go straight to the source with Leon Tapalian. He's the chairman, president, and CEO of Nucor. Get a better read of the situation. Mr. Tapalian, welcome back to Mad Money. Jim, thanks for having me. Well, Leon, i got to tell you, I am. I have to ask you, I mean, how worried should I be? We've got a Federal Reserve that's talking about rates uh, longer, higher, for, for what seems like a, a very tough tightening cycle. But at the same time, we've got all this great infrastructure money. You're running leaner than ever. Your, all your clients, for the most part, are doing terrifically. I don't know whether to be worried and look at those analyst estimates, which are horrendous, or just stick with Nucor because it just keeps delivering. Hey, here's what I would tell you, Jim. As we looked um, into 2023, we expected the back half of the year to be a little softer than the first half. But context is really important here. If we annualized our guidance that we just put out for the year, it'd be the third best year in the history of our company. The other thing to keep in mind, Jim, when I came on your show three and a half years ago, I talked about our new mission statement to grow the core, expand beyond and live our culture. Through that period of time, we've generated $18 billion of net earnings, returned $8.7 billion back to our shareholders, generated a TSR of over 190%, and given back $2 billion to the Nucor team members and the Nucor family uh, in the form of profit sharing. So I would tell you, while there's some headwinds, uh, I couldn't be more excited about our future and how we're positioned to capitalize on those things you just touched on and really the mega trends that we're seeing in this economy. Well, I've always told people that it's not so much uh, necessarily even the end markets as Nucor is in, all you pick good end markets. It just has to do with the structure of Nucor. You are able to make a lot, a lot of money in situations where other steel companies are actually capable of losing money. Do you still feel strongly that we can bridge the gulf between now and the infrastructure money, that it will not be a situation where, for instance, where the analysts think that your uh, earnings are going to be cut by, uh, by a full third. Look, I, no, I absolutely agree that the cash flows we're generating, uh, the returns we're generating are incredible. We have created higher highs and higher lows. And so I think you've seen a structural shift in our industry. And while we're seeing a little moderation, again, from historic highs, uh, the, there are so many tailwinds in how we win. And at the end of the day, over the last six decades, we've won by being the low-cost value-add producer, and that's going to continue well into our future. Now, uh, the auto strike is 
not primarily your steel. That's actually, it's not great. It's not a great market. It's never been a great market. It's other than in Mexico, it's not been a great market. But are you concerned that it could go on for longer and hurt other markets besides just the autos that you are involved in? Yeah, look, as you've had many of your guests on and certainly your viewers, the auto market in our uh, nation is really important to the economy, whether it's the supply into or the direct OEM. So our hope is that this strike resolves itself uh, quickly and um, we, we get through that. But to your point, Nucor is about one and a half million tons in the industry out of a 30 million ton supply that we have. So we're not overly weighted there and that will continue to grow. When you can supply our OEMs with the cleanest steels, um, the highest capability set, um, we're going to continue to generate uh, and move more into that end market as we move forward in the years to come. Okay. Now, I, I am concerned uh, there's going to be a, there's a whole new tariff situation. We've been talking about tariffs with you guys forever because we both know that if we do not prevent cheap steel, particularly from China, coming to this country, then we're not going to be able to have a defense that's even capable of defending whether it be uh, Ukraine, whether it be, whether it be uh, uh, Taiwan. So how do we feel about with the 25 percent tariff on steel imports trying to make it so that our allies aren't hurt and still keep back the Chinese steel, which historically has been very difficult to do because the Chinese find other ways to dump into our country? Yeah, look, that is a a condition we're going to continue to advocate for. Again, it began long before uh, I and with Dan D'Amico and John Ferriola before I um, we've got to continue to advocate. The oversupply in the, in the world, particularly out of China, is significant. You know, five, six years ago, we only had about 50 cases of carbon steel one in the United States. Today, that's over 150. So we've got to continue to, to advocate for our industry. Um, Secretary Romando, who you know well, yep. understands our industry. Our USTR and, and Catherine Tai really understands their leadership in understanding this industry and not... Um, protecting free trade, but fair trade, because it's not just cheap steel. It's illegally subsidized and dumb steel that uh, that that really harms the industry in this nation. You're, you're absurd. I should not use the term cheap. And I would also add substandard and nothing that we necessarily want yeah. and anything having to do with our military and our great defense. Now, I do want to know Absolutely. about the last couple acquisitions. I thought they were terrific diversifications. How are they working out, particularly the racks and uh, garage? Yeah, we couldn't be more excited to uh, to welcome those team members into the Nucor family. And it, it really falls in that camp of expanding beyond to look for those adjacent companies that help us rebuild, reshore, repower the future of America. And so that's um, that's going to continue in the future. But those acquisitions have worked out incredibly well. They're dedicated team members and they're generating well beyond the IRR calculations of the projects as we brought them before our board uh, and continue to return really attractive uh, results. Oh, that's terrific. I know I was worried that maybe there wouldn't be enough warehouses built, but you were correct. I mean, e-commerce is still it's it's never going to return to the way it was. One one last question I want to know, and it's not the question that I know Wall Street cares about. Do we have enough steel being built by Nucor and some of our other some of your competitors to be able to handle uh, what's needed for all the infrastructure orders that are coming? Absolutely. We, we, we are well poised as an industry to serve uh, the, the growing demand in chips, IRA, and infrastructure. So, yes, I would tell you there's a lot of growth. Nucor's on the end of a $14 billion CapEx campaign that will culminate in the mill starting up in West Virginia that's going to well position us 
to serve those needs. And, um, you know, Jim, as you talked about the fears in the market, I was on your show a year ago as the analysts at that point were predicting a cliff coming in 2023. I think there are a lot of tailwinds that are going to continue to well position us. You called it then. And again, I think there's uh, there's enough strength in this market as we head into 24 that the best days in, are in front of Nucor still. But just so people know, uh, the analysts are calling for $6 for this year. And Leon does that in a quarter. And they were looking for 6 bucks. Leon Tapalia is the Nucor chair, president and CEO. What a remarkable company. Thank you, Leon, for coming on the show. Thank you, Jim. Man, Mike's back after the break. Coming up, Kramer takes your calls, and the sky is the limit. It's a fast-fire lightning round, next. Before we get back to our normal program, there's something really exciting that I want to share with you today. The reason it's so special is because it's just for you, our Mad Money viewers. You always hear me talk about the work I do for the special community that is the CNBC Investing Club. Now, look, for only one more week, I'm going to share a little taste of the work that I do with Jeff Marks during the day. Let me give you an example of what you can get, okay? Earlier in our morning meeting, which is exclusive to subscribers every day, 10, 20 a.m., streaming, we spoke about club holding Starbucks. As fears are mounting regarding the coffee chain's future in China with local competition heating up, we got a positive announcement in a brand new Coffee Innovation Center it was totally overlooked. It was the first of its kind for the company that will vertically integrate the company in China, producing everything from bean to cup. I don't know. I think the concerns about China and Starbucks are overblown, and I think you should be buying Starbucks here. That's why I shared that information with you, and you didn't get it anywhere else. I'm going to cover this in more detail right after the lightning round. I think the stuff that we're doing is so pertinent, so important, so educational that you got you make it into a much better investor. And I think you should just join the club and get more insights just like this. That's why CNBC is giving you an exclusive offer available to only to Mad Money viewers. So grab your phone, open your camera, and point it at the QR code, or go to cnbc.com slash Offer. Sign up now, and you're going to get a lot more insights like this. I'm telling you, it's the real deal. And now it is time. It is time for the lightning round of Kevin's Red Money. That's what you're going to grab for. Let me say, I'm going to tell you, 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 and then the lightning round is over. Are you ready, Ski Daddy? Top of the lightning round. Let's start with Frank in New hey, York. Jim. Frank. Jimmy Chill. Frank. Chill be here. Tell him. What's I, up? How are you, Jim? The one thing you have lots of is that it's integrity. And I hope oh, we all you, appreciate it. That's home game. It's okay. Thank you. You hey, got to own it. Hey, you got to own it. You What's up? You, me- you mentioned this stock confluence two months or so, give or take, you know? And it, right. was, it was in the high 30s, I don't know, 37, 38, whatever. And today it fell below 30. Is this something that I should hold or sell or buy more of? Well, you know, it, it, it's such a good company. you got to buy it in scale because it, it doesn't, it's not making any money yet. But they are the central nervous system companies, and I think that they are... Some of the, it's some of the best uh, it's some of the best enterprise software in the world. So beware, it can still go down, but I do like it very, very much. I want to go to Adam in Illinois. Adam. Hey Jim, booyah from a grateful club member. Oh, I have a thank question you, Adam. about let's talk cosmetics. Um, I, I found Estee Lauder to be too rich for my blood, so right. I'm trying to play the Chinese appetite for cosmetics. I wound up with Koki. What do you think? Cody had a good quarter. I have to, I mean, I got to hand it to him. I mean, I, I, a lot of people wrote these guys off. They are coming back. So I'm not against it. I'm not against it at all. Let's go to Stacy in Georgia. Stacy. 
Dr. Kramer, I'm ailing. Help me. What's the matter? Well, given the recent earnings and today's investigation news, what are your short and long-term thoughts on IOT, Samsara? I had the boy. You know, this is um, Samsara. No, this is a one. This is one that Moffat Nathanson writes about. That's why I know it. At that guy Jackson, Jacksonator. He's a real smart guy, and, and I think it's real good. You know, it's a, again enterprise software, and those stocks have fallen out of favor after being in favor for about four weeks. It is a little expensive. Uh, but it is very good enterprise software. What can I say? And he does good work. That guy does quality work. Let's go to Jeremy in Arizona. Jeremy. Hey, Jim. Love your show. First time caller here. Excellent. Uh, I know you got asked this last week when it was at $22 a share, but Chewy is now trading just shy of $17 a share. I cannot believe this thing. It's like that people decide, you know what, we don't want any, any pets. I was just looking at Teddy, a third dog maybe. But you know what? People are buying all that stuff on Amazon, and that's the problem. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is the conclusion of the Lightning Round. Coming up, will China decaffeinate Starbucks in the PRC? Kramer makes the case for a Vente future. Coffee wars and more next. I'm not sure when the bad news will stop flowing, but I am sure that the endless declines on bogus bad news may be coming to an end. Lately, we've been bombarded with stories that are meant to send stocks down, even if they're not true. Can't let the facts get in the way of a solid negative story, can you? Finally, though, investors are getting wise to the process, and that is when the bottom begins to get put in. For example, not long ago, we heard that China's putting the clamps on Apple, telling government employees not to bring their iPhones to work. The first day, we heard it was only for the Communist Party. The next day, people were acting like it applied to the rank and file in every state-owned institution. That's a huge chunk of the Chinese economy. The story seemed perfectly timed to sabotage the launch of the iPhone 15. And by the way, the bears assured us this new phone didn't really have much going in the way of it. Not, nothing that could attract a lot of new buyers. It was a one-two punch against Apple stock. And of course, it got knocked flat on the canvas. Where's the decline in recent memory? I mean, who'd risk investing in, in Apple if the Chinese government's cracking down on their products? Now, though, the iPhone 15 is out, and we have pictures showing just throngs of Chinese people across multiple cities eagerly buying the new phone, and it looks like the strongest launch in ages. The Communist Party might prefer the people buy domestic, but the people have spoken, and they're buying the iPhone. Somebody's got to remind them that the people united will never be defeated. Next, how about Starbucks? Okay, we, uh, we heard from the paper that there are other stores making big inroads in China, implication being that Starbucks is about to lose out in the great coffee wars. But what was it mentioned? How about the fact that Starbucks just opened a first-of-its-kind innovation tech center, the largest manufacturing distribution facility outside of North America, and it was greeted with great fanfare by the Chinese government itself. It's the first time since Starbucks opened in Beijing in 1999 that the company's vertically integrated in China. Does that kind of endorsement by the government and integration mean nothing to shareholders? There was hardly any publicity about this sign of solidarity with the Chinese government, but there were plenty of stories about how Starbucks is peaking or being overrun by crummy companies or threatened in China. I would have mentioned this. I wouldn't have mentioned this event. I really wouldn't have brought it up. Uh, but I saw the need for, say, more balance. All right, how about this one? How about the hit job against Broadcom done by an outfit that I'll simply call the Bureau of Misinformation to spare them the charge that maybe they played into the hands of the short sellers and didn't know? The bizarrely sourced story that Broadcom's on the verge of losing a huge piece of Google business was designed immediately by both companies, something I broke by saying when Squawk on the street that the story was patently false. My chapel trust owns Broadcom, so I, oh, you could argue I'm in favor of Broadcom, but wait a second. 
my Chapel Trust owns Google Parent Alphabet. So, hey, maybe I'm favoring both. Give me a break. It's unfortunate when you correct a publication like that one that got it wrong. The publication then fires off an ad hominem attack. I mean, come on. But as I used to say, sticks and stones may break my bones, which is why I carry thermonuclear weapons. Here's my take. When you begin to see four stories about the decline and fall of American institutions, you are often nearing the end of the period where you can knock stocks over with a feather. Doesn't mean the bottom's it. Does mean that if you're a short seller, though, maybe the easy money is finally over. I'd like to say there's always a bull market somewhere. I promise to try to find it just for you right here on Mad Money. I'm Jim Cramer. See you next time. Last call starts now. All opinions expressed by Jim Cramer on this podcast are solely Cramer's opinions and do not reflect the opinions of CNBC, NBC Universal, or their parent company or affiliates, and may have been previously disseminated by Cramer on television, radio, internet, or another medium. You should not treat any opinion expressed by Jim Cramer as a specific inducement to make a particular investment or follow a particular strategy, but only as an expression of his opinion. Cramer's opinions are based upon information he considers reliable, but neither CNBC nor its affiliates and or subsidiaries warrant its completeness or accuracy, and it should not be relied upon as such. To view the full Mad Money Disclaimer, please visit cnbc.com forward slash disclaimer. From pit lane to podium, the Las Vegas Grand Prix is providing fans a race day experience at the speed they deserve with the help of T-Mobile for Business. Our 5G advanced network solutions are powering race day operations with event-wide connectivity. From streamlined gate entry to an immersive app, giving fans blazing fast access to the sport they love. This is accelerating innovation. This is the Las Vegas Grand Prix with T-Mobile for Business. Take your business further at T-Mobile.com slash now.